I contemplated recording this one for a long time. I didn't think I would ever have the opportunity or chance or even the want or the need to talk about this topic. But um, as I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming from my friends and family, I think it's important to definitely touch on this and for the opportunity to let people know that it's okay being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Um, me and my father did not have a great relationship. Um, he's one of those dads that was there um, when he felt like he needed to or through obligation. And when he felt he wasn't obligated, he just wasn't there. Um, I know the brother and that's cool. And from the time that I did spend with him, it was cool. I was young, I was probably like around seven or eight. Uh, and I remember the last time I went back to Trinidad was when my grandmother passed away. I would say I was about 20 at the time and I stayed with him. Um, I think the most profound thing he's ever said to me um, and I, I feel like all fathers have have these profound moments where they say these one-liners or two-liners that it just clicks, right? You're just like, oh, wow, that was insightful, that was inspiring, and I didn't even think you could fucking do that or say that, but you did. Um, but his moment was, uh, it was, um, don't let love get in the way of your happiness. And that shit rocked my fucking world, right? Because at that point in time, I was going through a low point. Me and the girl that I was with at the time was going through a rough, a rough part and um, a lot of stuff that was going on. And then my grandmother passed away and then I had to fly to Trinidad and I lost my job that same week um, because of the fact that I had to fly to Trinidad to, to, to bury my grandmother and dealing with her and everything going going on, it was it was a lot. But like when he said that, I didn't understand it. It took me a while to kind of grasp that. And we'll go into it. Um, but thank you guys for staying tuned. Uh, this is the J15 for 15. This is the season finale episode. And I'm calling this one Love Talks. Everyone thinks that when you're in love, you're happy, right? And it, it's, it's synonymous. It, it's something that goes together, right? Because you get those stomach bugs and, you know, you, you're feeling like this one is the one. And we always rush into these things like this is it, right? This this is the one and, and she or he is the most awesome thing and they're great, right? And then, like, you set these huge expectations and these, these huge bars, uh, for this one person, you put them on this pedestal and then you don't expect the the downfalls. You don't expect the imperfections or the flaws of that person because you're so busy putting them up on this pedestal that you're trying to mask and, and hide and kind of fix your own flaws so that you can meet and match them, right? As you go forward in our relationships, we tend to um, romanticize and, and over-fantasize things a lot to where... When the bad does happen, it's it's magnified, right? It, it's greatly magnified, like that first fight, right? You, you don't you don't even. It might be for the dumbest thing. It might be for, dude, why did you walk outside with your pants hanging low, or 
why didn't you do the dishes if you're living with that person? Or, you know, like, why didn't you put the seat down um, in the toilet? It could be the smallest thing, but it's magnified because it's like you put these people on this pedestal and you don't expect it, right? So it becomes a huge deal. Um, I think there's a, there's a way to fight and there's a way not to fight, especially relationships. And I think that's where it becomes toxic. Um, to give a kind of example of that, uh, I was... When I was, I've been, let's say I've been in three major relationships in my whole life. Um, my first relationship spanned about five years and that was in high school. And then after that, that relationship spanned about four and a half years. And then my wife, who I'm, I've been with for five years now, going on six. Um, in between those relationships, obviously I've had, you know, like, dates or you know fun you know with other women whatever but as in terms of true relationships right in my catalog of my life i will count these three as the pivotal points of the pivotal relationship shifts that have changed me as a man as a person as who i am today Um, and i think you the listeners you guys can kind of pick out from your relationships, where were those pivotal relationships that you've had that's changed you in who you were to who you are today, right? And not every relationship deems or is rewarded that that um that title or that praise, but the ones that do are the ones that are significant enough to make us reflect and make us think about, hey, who the fuck am I? And and why why did this happen? Why did we go down this route? Or what, what was the pivotal point that made this fail or made this succeed? Um, my first relationship um, was great. It, it was like I was in high school and um, it was butterflies, right? It was puppy love. It was, you know, like sneaking out to hop on a train to go see her or, or sneaking her out of her house or like it was that kind of that, that forbidden shit that you fall in love with, that you read in the books, you know, like, man, this is awesome. It's like we're living in a movie. Uh, but reality hits, and, you know, and stuff happens, and then she does something that I can't forgive, right? And, you know, she cheated, and that hurt me. That broke me because I, I would I would honestly tell you that that was my first love. And I honestly foresaw us going further than that. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case. But we, as 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 we learn from things, we move on, right? So I, based on that, I keep myself guarded, right? I, I kind of guarded my heart after that, and I kind of it took me two years before I found my next big relationship. And this is kind of the one I wanted to touch on, um, and and why I'm talking about this one is to kind of highlight how toxic relationships or toxic environments um, can be masked by love, right? And how it relates to what my dad said, don't let love get in the way of happiness because you can wholeheartedly love somebody. You can be madly in love with this person. But then when you ask yourself, truly ask yourself, are you happy? Are you waking up genuinely happy about your day, genuinely happy to be with this person, whether you love them or you hate them? Are you genuinely happy about everything that's going on in your life at that moment? Love has nothing to do with that. 
right? You could still, like, I still have love for my exes. It's not the same type of love, but I still have love for the experience that they gave me, for the time shared, the time that we spent together. I still have love for that and, and the great things about them that were awesome. But what, what I don't love is the bad things and, and why, how that love has shifted from what it was while we were in a relationship to what it is today, right? More like an admiration. So going into this one, um, I would say I was around the age of 21. I just started, well, I was in my second year of college. No, third year of college, because I started college early. I was in my third year of college and I met Nadine. Um, she, she was my space partner. And um, whenever I cut class in college, right, cut class to go play space, she was my space partner. And um, from there, like, uh, she came to my house once. We used to play video games and everything, and we just kind of kicked it off from there. Uh, initially, the, the relationship was great because she lived in Brooklyn, and at the time, my mom moved, and I moved with my mom to Staten Island from Brooklyn to Staten Island, which was which was terrible. I fucking hate Staten Island, and I just hate the, the process of getting from school, which was in Brooklyn, Brooklyn College, um, to Staten Island. It was it was a mess. I had to take a ferry and everything. I didn't have a car at the time. But she lived deep, deep, deep in, in Brooklyn, in Flatbush. Um, we were really, really separated. So, like, you know, phone conversations were our thing um, when we weren't, next to, weren't together, right? And that's back when there was no texting. There was actual phone calls. I had a Nextel. Man, I'm kind of dating myself. I had a Nextel chirp phone, right? I don't know if you guys remember that shit, but if, if you get a chance, look that shit up. It was like a Nextel, like a brick. This shit was like li literally a brick. And it was a chirp phone, and like you would press the button, and it was like chirp chirp, and then you could send a message, so you could talk like like send a voice message through the chirp, and it's like a walkie-talkie, and that was what that was a cool selling point of that shit is that I could walkie-talkie with my my homies across the fucking city, right? With just chirp chirp, and just like hey man, what you doing? Chirp chirp, you know that I digress, right? So I just thought that, that was kind of cool. So. Yeah, man, we would chirp back and forth and talk with each other for a long time. And, like, um, at the time, she was still dating this guy who was going to school in Albany, right? And I asked her the question. I said, hey, man, like, what's going on with this dude? Like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, step on homeboy's toes. You know, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't I want to take his girl away from him. That's This is after I'm pulling my pants up, getting out of bed with her. I was a fucking dirtbag. I shouldn't have did that. But, I mean, you know, I mean, whether my morals came before the deed or after, I had morals. I'm not a bad guy, you know? I mean, I still thought about the dude, you know, and, and his feelings. And, I mean, she told me that it was fine. She said it was all right. She was going to talk to him, and, you know, the, the long distance wasn't a thing for her. And she wanted to, like, you know, move away from me. And I said, cool, well, you know, you have that conversation again. And when you have that conversation, then we can continue this, you know? A couple of days later, you know, as I'm getting out of bed, you know, with her again, I actually, hey, did you have that conversation? No. Well, shit. You know, uh, so we're, we're doing, we're, go, we're moving forward with this relationship and she still hasn't talked to this dude. So she finally got a chance to sit down with him because uh, he, he came down from Albany and she had the conversation. And, and I, I think he already knew because she was, she, every time she would talk to him on the phone, she was hanging out with me, and she would always tell him, like, yeah, my homeboy, 
you know, Jay, and then, like, I think he kind of got the gist of it, you know, and I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I was that guy, you know, so she had that conversation, and we moved forward, um, we dated for about a year, and then Nadine said that, you know, she would always cry, because whenever we would have dates, we would go into Manhattan and have a date, or into Brooklyn, have a date, but, you know, at the end of the night, she would have to go her separate way. She would have to take the train, you know, to, to Brooklyn and then the bus. So I would have to hop on the ferry and go my way to Staten Island. And I couldn't, I refused to stay with her at her house because her father was a fucking idiot. And I, I just could not stand that dude. He was just very, very controlling. He was controlling to her, controlling to, to her mom. And, like, we just did not click at all um, and definitely wasn't bringing her to my house at the time, you know, out of respect for my mom and stuff, um, and stuff like that, even though I did smash multiple times. But she, my mom was, I digress. My mom wasn't there. All right, so going forward, um, so the relationship is starting to bloom and everything, and the butterflies are still there, right? You know, we're dating for a year. Everything is good. We haven't lived with each other yet. So she brings it up, and she's always crying every time we leave. So she, we should live together. And at this point in time, I'm still going to school, and I'm like, eh, I got a good thing going. I'm trying to finish up school, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to, you know, like, take any risk of having to, like, you know, go and start to get, like, a serious job. Because right? I was working at Best Buy at the time, get a serious job, and, like, you know, to pay rent. Because rent in New York is ridiculous. But, you know, she assured me that, you know, she would contribute and everything, and it, it would be good for us to start to get out of you know, our homes and start living with each other if we're truly serious about each other. I mean, she made sense. I mean, and honestly, the real reason why I did it is because I just didn't want the fucking nagging anymore about, you know, why do you have, like, you know, why we can't just stay together? Why can't you come home with me? I don't want to go to your house because you're your fucking father. And why can't I come home with you? You know, I just didn't want to have the argument anymore. So, fine. You know, I quit Best Buy, went, found a job at Citibank. I was a teller. I just fucking hated that motherfucking job so much. Um, but I did it, you know, and I saved money. Um, I starved myself. I, I, I literally mean this when I say this. I literally starved myself um, for three months, saving up enough money to pay, make the, the down payment on the apartment, which was like $2,500 down payment. The rental, the broker's fee, was it the, no, the renter's finder's fee um, for them finding the apartment and all the other fees that came associated with that. And um, also furniture, whatever I didn't have, because I only had a bed and a, and a, a chest of drawer for clothes. So like a living room set, um, you know, tables, stuff like that, everything that we would need to set this apartment up. Three months. Uh, of just eating white rice at this little Japanese spot next to the uh, next to the the bank, like a dollar white rice, I would eat that every day with soy sauce until I got home, and I would eat there. Um, I kind of like all my indulgences of things that I would buy normally. I just didn't do. You know, I was big into um, at the time. I was big into collecting uh, basketball cards. Didn't purchase any of that. Uh, video games, didn't buy any video games at the time. I'll bum video games off of my homeboys, you know, just to play and shit like that. Just, you know, like little little sacrifices 
you know, like really, really, really like cutting the corners everywhere possible. I could save the most, the most money. You know, finally got the apartment. We finally started living with each other, right? And once again, it refuels, right? You know, because it's a new experience. It's a new adventure. It refuels the butterflies, right? It refuels the, uh, the honeymoon stage, right? It's like, oh, my God, now, you know, like, we're, we're living with each other, and it's great, and we don't got to worry about this. I'm going to worry about my mom telling me to do the fucking dishes. I'm going to worry about my mom telling me to, t- like, turn my fucking TV down. Fuck that. I'm going to fucking blast this motherfucker, and all I got to worry about is my fucking neighbors, but fuck them. And, you know, so I could do whatever I want now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's cool. It's a great experience of starting to live with each other. You know, rent sucks. Bill suck, but we were gonna get through it, right? And um, and like I said, I hated my job, but hey, it paid damn well better than what I was getting paid at Best Buy. And she was still working at Best Buy at the time, so I was kind of the breadwinner, right? I was I was making the most money in the in the in the house. Um, until you know, the veil you know gets removed, and and the glass starts to starts to shatter a little bit, right? And this is where we come. With toxicity, toxicity because you know I'm in love, madly in love with this person because it's a whole lot of news, right? It's a lot of new things, right? This is the first woman that I've ever started um, to to live with. This this is a first brand new experience. This is the first woman that I've ever like um, went to. I took her, I flew her to Orlando and we went to Disneyland. First woman I've ever traveled with. So it's a lot of new things, right? So I'm in love with this person. Right. But the arguments, you know, it's, it, it started pouring in and it, it, it started with, you know, like chores and um, and times coming into the house because I'm hanging out with friends or she's hanging out with friends. Um, then, you know, like stupid things, man, just stupid arguments. Right. And initially it's just back and forth banter of like, hey, why can't you do this or why can't you do that? Or well, I did this, I did this before, and now it's your turn. Or like you know, just just arguing about very very minuscule things, right? That really like could have been solved with just like regular dialogue. But you know, it just got elevated and elevated. And Nadine is a very very argumentative person. What what she's good at is is condescension by condescension condescension through anger and and what that is is when she's angry she condescends like she she would take you from a level and bring you down and she knew and that's the thing in relationships right when you love somebody they know your they know your tics they know how you work right they know what gets you mad what gets you you know happy what gets you frustrated and they kind of work Especially if the goal is to win the argument, they kind of work those buttons, they work those mechanics to get you to a certain point, right? And I think I was I was pretty good at kind of shutting it down and saying like, hey man, this is fucking bullshit, let's stop this fucking shit and I, I'm done. Because that's me, I kind of retreat, right? In a fight, I kind of retreat, I don't want to deal with it, I'm kind of, I'm very, very lazy. I'm a lazy argue. I'm a lazy fighter. I don't want to do it. I'm just like, man, this is too much. I'm done. Fuck it. We'll talk about this shit tomorrow. She is a fucking battle axe. She wants to fight, 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 fight until it's resolved by her standard. All right, and that's just something that I wasn't 
willing to do, right? So when she she would just when she realized that, you know, she couldn't yell over me, or the condescension wasn't working, then it started to get physical, all right? And um, I remember the first time that uh that the fight went from from verbal to physical was uh, I came home from a long day of work at the bank and I just had a shitty day. Uh, I got yelled at by this this white dude who lost his fucking check and I overed by like a couple hundred dollars or under, no, I undered by a couple hundred dollars but we later found a check. It was, it was, it was my fault. I fucked up. I fucked up. I, I processed the check the wrong way. It was, it was my fault, right? So, but we found the money later, and you know, I just, I got reamed by this fucking twenty-two-year-old Puerto Rican chick that can't speak a lick of English, just cussed me out in Spanish. I think she was Dominican. She just cussed me out, and you know, because I fucked up, right? And we spent like an hour there trying to retrace the money. And if I, uh, if anybody's a teller, you kind of understand that process. If you worked in the bank as a teller, you kind of understand that process. You know, like it's it seems easy. It just trans. It's just an easy transaction of money from one person to another. You're typing it, but for some fucking reason, you know, like you fuck up and then it throws everything off. So yes, yeah, so I'm I'm coming home, shitty day at work, and um she uh she's pissed that I left my uh clothes on the floor that morning I didn't put it I didn't put it into the hamper and to me this is fucking dumb like why why are you yelling at me for this like why why is this the Magna Carta of the fucking day like why why are you fucking coming down on me for clothes on the floor you could have picked it up and do it in a in a hamper or you could have waited for me to get home and just say hey man put it in the hamper and I'd, I'd have fucking did it right but she's fucking yelling, and I'm like, man, just, just shut the fuck up, man. Like, please, like, I had a shitty fucking day. You're fucking reaming me with some bullshit, and like, we're just fucking back and forth, back and forth, um, arguing. And then, um, yeah, she she threw the fucking hamper at me, and it was a light hamper. It wasn't nothing serious, but she just fucking flung it at me. And it hit me in my back because I was walking away from her because I didn't want to deal with the shit anymore. And I'm like, did you fucking throw the clothes hamper at me? And she's like, you're not fucking listening to me. You're not fucking blah, 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 And I fucking laughed because it's fucking funny. She threw a fucking hamper at me. It didn't hurt. And then she started laughing. And now we're laughing at each other because she how fucking ridiculous it was that she fucking threw a hamper at me that wasn't going to hurt. Because that was the first time I got physical. We laughed about it. And, I mean, little did I know that moment was going to be the catalyst for more bullshit later down the road. So I want to do a brief intermission here and say that if you truly love someone, you would never disrespect them. Right? You think of... Or if you... If, if it ever gets to a point where you truly, where you disrespect someone, you would catch yourself in that moment. And it, it would be, a, you would feel a grave feeling of disgust for yourself because you've hurt somebody that you love, right? And, and it's never truly intentional. 
it's always out of anger, right? And sometimes we, we, we hurt the ones that we love the most. But I think, I think that term doesn't apply here. I think if you truly love someone, then you, you can learn. Because, I mean, human beings by nature, we argue. You can learn to argue in a way that is neither, neither physically abusive to that person or verbally over the threshold of what that person can handle. And what I mean by verbally over the threshold is that, hey man, if you're angry, you're angry for a reason, right? And you're gonna vent and you're gonna say shit, right? But you would know where to stop, right? You would know where to stop and what not to say because that's the threshold of what you can say to not truly hurt that person's feelings. So that was the first time. Um, the second time, this was my fault. Um, I can't remember what happened. I can't remember why, why we argued this time. But I, I, I was getting ready to go to a friend's, a, fr a gathering, a, fr a friend's gathering. And um, she was, once again, fucking yelling in my ear, right? And, and I'm just trying to go. I'm just trying to leave, you know? And um, she's getting up in my face, and I'm, I'm getting up in her face, and we're cussing, and we're yelling, blah, blah, blah. And then I pushed her to the floor. And I remember that. And that was, um, that was on me. And as it happened, right, because I'm, as it happened, um, I see her hit the floor and I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and it's like, you know, like that, oh shit moment, like, oh shit, I just fucking did that. I just fucking did that. And uh, she's looking at me like, oh shit, you just fucking did that. And then she starts crying and I'm like, fuck, uh, you know, and you're trying to gather the, the words to, to show true remorse, but there's no there's no way. There's no way to truly um, show that you're sorry for that for that moment. Um, you know, I did something despicable. I did something that I, I didn't think I would ever do. Like I was raised, as I spent spent a couple years with my dad when my mom left Trinidad to come to America for for work for a better opportunity. And then after that, I've lived with my um, my mom, right? And neither one of them, I haven't seen that from either one. They've always raised me, um, hey, not don't put your hands on women, um, you know, respect women and uh, girls and treat them a certain way. Um, both of my parents have always instilled in me that, um, you know, to to be the to be a man, right? To 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 be a a stand up figure, right? Especially when dealing with other people, right? Especially women. Um, so I don't know where that came from. I don't know why. Um, I felt that I had to do that. I guess I was just angry to the point where I didn't know how to verbally express myself. So the next way to express myself was through that. And I feel really, really sorry for that. And, um, yeah, that was, that was the first, that was my first fuck up, you know? And this, this was, uh, I want to say a year and a half, maybe less, man, um, into us living with each other at that point, right? And it's like, it was an ebb and flow. 
it was a roller coaster, right? Because we would have our highest highs and our lowest lows. And these were, like, whenever we argued, that was our lowest lows. Um, like I said, Nadine was very condescending, and she would say things, um, like, really, really hurtful things, man. Like, like stuff that would make me feel little. You know, like, like really attack my manhood. Um, that I felt like in order to protect that, that, that what little did I have of that was to exert or or to display my manhood and which is which is the wrong thing to do. I think um as we see in relationships, especially toxic relationships, um, whether it's the man or the woman, there's always an action, a reaction and an apology. Um but is that apology sincere? Is that apology because of the reaction or is that apology because of the action? And what I mean by that is that, you know, the action is the argument, right? The reaction is the response to the argument, right? Am I sorry because of how I reacted to the argument or, I'm, or am I sorry because of, we, of us having this argument to begin with, right? And how I can kind of display that is like, you know, me and my wife, um, she, she thinks that, um, she says that I don't help her out around the house enough, right? So we had a little argument about that. So I said, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry, absolutely right. I need to help you out a little bit more around the house. Maybe I can do the, do the bathroom more or do more around the living room or you know do more in the kitchen, right? So that's me apologizing for the action, right? The action of the argument, why the argument started that's me apologizing for it, right? But when we start apologizing for the reactions to the argument, it means that we've gone too far, right? Because it should only be the action of the argument and that should be it. And then it should be resolved either through a compromise or put on the table and held for another day when cool heads remain. But like I said, Nadine, is a fucking battle cannon and she refuses to uh refuses to let that shit go right she refuses to let things resolve in time she needed to have that argument in that moment and resolve it in that moment whereas i am i like to let things go a little bit calm down and come back to it um after the reaction happened. I picked her up. I said, "Hey, uh, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Please stop crying. I'm sorry." Um, and we sat down. We talked about it a little bit more, and we forgave each other. And I and and I, you know, expressed further remorse, and we forgave each other. And uh, it was good, right? And you know, I left, went to my, my my friend's gathering, and came back, and you know, we talked a little bit more, and. That was the second time. The third time. Um, this one was bad because cops got involved. Um, it got it got so the argument. Once again, I don't even remember why, but the argument was so bad that um, she almost tried to throw my TV over in the living room. I had this uh, sixty-five inch. Uh, Sony DLP, which is a digital light projection TV. They're super light. It was like kind of like the, the thing before LEDs and plasmas. Um, yeah, so I had that in my living room. And she 
almost threw it over. Uh, she tried to pull it from the top and throw it over. So I had to go run and grab the fucking TV as it's falling over. Like, thank God, you know, the digital light projection TVs are very, very light TVs. So, like, you could pick up by yourself if you can, if you have the, the arm length to grab it from both sides. Pick it up by yourself, actually. It's, it's not that heavy. So I was able to grab the TV before it falls to the, to, to the floor and, you know, put it back on the stand. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you fucking trying to fuck up the TV? And she's fucking throwing shit. She's throwing fucking spoons and fucking forks. Thank God she didn't throw a knife. She threw a pot at me. She hit me at the side of my head. Um, and I'm just trying to duck. I, you know what? I've... You ever, you ever seen the movie The Matrix? You know, that that part where Neo is, like, really, like, dodging bullets? I I, I no, no kidding. Like, no kidding had a Matrix moment because, like, she threw a knife. No, she didn't throw a knife. I'm tripping. She didn't throw a knife. She threw a fork, a spoon, and, like, a, a flat iron pot. Yeah, it was a flat iron pot. She threw both of them at the same time. And, like, I fucking, like, weaved through that shit. It was, like, fucking Matrix style. Like, I fucking weaved through that shit but then after like i weaved through that i had something else on me and that was the other pot that hit me at the side of the head so maybe i wasn't neo in that moment maybe it was just like a cool it was like a, it was cool that i actually did was able to weave through those three things but they get fucked up at the end of it um yeah so i got hit with the pot um at the side of my head and she slapped me so i'm bleeding from the bottom of my lip so I call the cops. And man, the, like at this time, man, this is like probably like a year, almost two years in. And like our neighbors are fucking fed up, man. Because New York, walls walls are thin. People can hear your shit all the time. And and we're, we're fighting so much that the neighbors already fucking know. And they're fucking taking tallies on who's going to win and shit. Or who's going to fucking back down and... How long? They're probably taking polls on how long this one's gonna last. It's it's getting bad, man. Like we're we're fighting way more frequently, and for really really dumb shit, you know. And um, you know, like I got hit with the pot. I got slapped in the face. I'm bleeding, um, from my lip, and I call the cops. I'm like, yo, I'm I'm fucking done. I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm calling the cops. So I call the cops. Uh couple cops like it was like five cops that came it was two white dudes one white lady and a black a black cop and they came up to my door to bang on the door and i answered the door and i made sure to not to not wipe the blood because i'm like yo like we're having a fight cops are coming who are they gonna fucking believe they need to see the evidence man my fucking lip is fucking leaking it's not leaking like like oh my god it's just like really really but it's leaking like you know my lip is bleeding so i step outside i'm in shorts a shirt my lips bleeding. I got a small knot on my head. I'm like, hey man, look. She's wilding out. She almost threw my TV over. Arguing. She's throwing a whole bunch of shit. You know, I got hit in the head. She slapped me in the face. My lip is bleeding. What do y'all want to do? And no kidding, man. The two black the two the lady walks in, the lady cop walks in to go talk to her. And I'm I'm there standing with the two white cops and the black cops and and the black cop. And they're they just ask me questions like how this happened. I'm trying to explain to them how everything's happened. And this fucking black cop, it, it's always your own people, man. This, this black cop, man, 
He fucking looks down at my feet, and this motherfucker starts roasting me on my fucking toes, man. And at this time, like, I played football in high school, and, like, I, I didn't really take care of my feet that well. Like, I had, like, a, um, my, my big toe on my left side, uh, I had, like, a black, like, then half of the nail was kind of black, like, kind of, like, brown-black. It was kind of rotting. I didn't really take, I had, like, at least foot. I mean, it wasn't stinking, but my, my feet was definitely fucking crocodile feet. I definitely had some raptor claws on my toes. Like, I really didn't take care of my feet that well. Um, so, thank God, like, you know, as I joined the military, they gave me Lamisil. So I was on Lamisil for six months, which clears up all foot fungus. And, like, my toes are fine now. Like, I can, my, my, my toenails are clear. But back then, man, like, I had fucking brown toenails. It was fucking jacked up, dude. Like, like I don't think, I don't think I could have paid one of those, those Asian people in the source of, to fix my shit. I think they would have, like, tell me to get the fuck out. But, like, this fucking black cop starts roasting me on my fucking toes, man. This dude's like, dude, look at this dude's fucking toes. This fucking dude has fucking hammer hammer toes, man. Like, he's, he starts roasting me, and the other two white cops are fucking laughing. I'm, I'm, I'm there looking at these more like, dude, my fucking lips bleeding. I got a fucking knot on my head. You're fucking roasting me on my fucking toes, man. Like, for real right now? Like, is this really what, you know, New York's finest? Is this is this the moment that, that you you feel good about yourself? You're fucking roasting me on my fucking toes while I got a fucking screaming fucking wildebeest in the fucking back that's ready to fucking kill me and fucking throw shit at me, man? Are you are you are you fucking serious? So after after all of that, you know, like everything kind of simmers down, right? They they tell me, right, the same black cop, well, hey, dude, man, you got to leave. Mind you, it's 2 a.m. in the fucking morning, and I'm fucking tired. Like, I got to go to work at 5 in the morning. I have nowhere to go. I'm thinking about hopping on a train and, and just taking a ride to Staten Island. Or I didn't want to wake any of my friends up because they're also living with their parents. And my grandmother's asleep, and I didn't want to wake her up and, and go down you know, to her house. So the other option was, you know, going to Staten Island and sleeping there and then waking up in an hour and then going to work. So I'm like, well, fine, man. If I got to fucking leave, you know, I'm the one fucking bleeding. Fine, I'll, I'll fucking leave. So I went inside, got my shit, and then she stops me. She's like, where are you going? You know, she's crying. I'm like, I'm fucking leaving because you're fucking nuts and you're fucking throwing shit at me. And they're fucking telling me I got to fucking leave. So I have to. She's like, don't leave. Don't leave. I'm like, no, Nadine, I'm not fucking doing this with you. I'm leaving. Right? So I leave. I get to the fucking train station. I hop on that shit. And I take, it takes two stops. And I say to myself, man, I'm not getting on a fucking ferry. I turn around. I went back home. Worst night of my life. Worst night of my life. Whoa. Second worst night. If you're in a relationship um, where it gets to that point, it's better to cut the ties. I don't think there's any redemption in it. I don't think there's any type of apologies that you can give to the other person or even to yourself um, to even force you to stay. I think once it gets to that point, I think there's a lack of lack of trust and a lack of respect for each other to where, you know, everything becomes 
a flip off moment, right? You know, like, whereas the arguments were valid at one point, now the arguments are not valid. Now it's like you're, you resent this person. Like you're just arguing for anything or you're just arguing for the sake of arguing. I think it's, um, once again, are you happy? You know, is, yes, you love this person, but are you happy? And you have to ask yourself that. Is love getting in the way of my happiness? And this is kind of where I started to understand you know, what that meant, you know, what my dad was saying when he said that. Um, I wasn't happy, you know. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in this relationship, you know, infidel, well, not infidel, because we weren't fucking married. No, we, I, was, I was engaged to her, um, which made things worse. Um, but she was talking to other guys. You know, she talked to this one dude, I call him Frenchie, because the dude fucking gave her some bullshit lie about how he toured France, and yeah, you toured France on a Best Buy check, man, shut the fuck up, right? Like, and she fucking ate that shit up, right? And I don't know what happened, she said nothing happened, but I forgave her for that, you know? And, you know, I forgave her because I loved her, but was I happy, you know? Um, I wasn't. How can you be? You know, the person that you love, the person that you're engaged to, is talking to other guys. How can you be happy with that? I wasn't happy, but I knew that I loved her, right? So that's what I mean. Like, you can love someone, but you have to really, really ask yourself, are you happy? The fourth time. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. So, I finally decided to go back to school. I said, man, I got to go back to school for my master's degree um, because where I was working at the time wasn't cutting it. The, the money just wasn't cutting it, all right? And I needed to kind of further myself along in my career if I wanted to truly do this and truly, like, make this a living like, and truly provide for this woman, you know, started thinking about buying a house and all that stuff, and I, I need to, like, truly advance myself, so I need to go back to school, so I... Went to school, talked to the dean. The dean said, hey, man, are you sure you want to just jump into this? Because the curriculum is going to be extremely hard and you've been out of school. Oh, mind you, yeah, I quit school to um, to work full time to pay rent and bills. Yeah, so I did that. So the, the dean is like, yeah, man, you get back into this, it's going to be hard. But, you know, based on your, your academic history, you know, if you feel like you pull it off, I'll, I'll sign you up, get you in in the fall. Like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's do it, you know. So got back in the class. I took um, five classes that semester because you needed to take five classes or a certain amount of credits in order to get, um, to get uh, what was it, financial aid, all right? So first day, man, I'm telling y'all, man, the first fucking day of school, first fucking day. And I had this conversation with her. I said, hey, look. Going back to school, I'm going to be going to work, and after that, it's going to be night classes. I'm not going to get back until after. Sometimes these lectures are two to three hours, man. I'm not going to get back till late, right? So the first first day, uh, my uh, it was digital digital production digital production one, and the dude said, "Hey, man, you guys, I need you guys to work on a uh, project. I need you to recreate a popular design ad in your own image." 
So I chose absolute, right? Because I had this fascination with absolute vodka. I liked it. I liked, like, which one? I was drinking uh, vanilla at the time. Absolute vanilla. So I had this this absolute fascination with absolute vodka. And their their production and their ads were fucking awesome. So I figured I was going to recreate this uh this pair, absolute pair at the time was kind of the new thing. So I was going to recreate this image of the absolute bottle coming out of a pair. Right? Kind of cool, right? I was going to have the, the bottle coming out of a pair. And I think it was, what well, I can't remember what the slogan was going to be. But I was going to put a slogan on there and just recreate it. And that was going to be my project. And we had like two days to, to get it done in Prinzatlin. So I remember I called my boy Anthony, who was an accomplished um, graphic designer in New York. And he, he was already graduated and everything. I said, hey, man, I need to borrow uh, your camera. And I need a light, a light space and a, light, and a board, a backdrop to kind of take the picture of the absolute bottle. And a pair so I could kind of like photo and pose this thing together and kind of get his feedback on how what he would think about my project. So it's like, yeah, man, come through. So I went to his house. Um, my, my other friend Horace was there. And we're all just shooting the shit. I'm getting work done, right? And I called her and told her that this is where I was going to be. Um, so I'm getting stuff done. I didn't get back into the house until, say, like, let's say, like, around 12-something. I walk into the house. She is raving fucking mad. She's fucking stomping the floor. Where the fuck have you been? Why the fuck you didn't tell me you were blah, 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 blah. I'm like, whoa, time out. What's going on? Why are you yelling at me? I told you I was going to go to school. I told you I was going to go work on this project after the class. I said this. Man, right? So she's yelling, she's screaming. This girl is fucking absolutely nuts. She's jumping up on the bed. She's up on the bed, jumping on the bed, screaming at the top of her lungs like, you have no consideration for me. I fucking made this. I did this. I cleaned this. You didn't do shit. You just fucking went to work and went to school. I'm like, Nadine, I told you I was going to go to school. We had this conversation. It was going to take a lot of time. I worked all day today. Then I went to school after. I have to work on this project. It's doing two days. Yeah, it's like, why didn't you fucking blah, blah, blah? And like, dude, it's, oh my God. I have fucking PTSD. Think about this shit. So I'm done. Once again, me. I check out, right? That's my thing. So she's yelling at the top of her lungs in the bedroom. I fucking walk out of the bedroom and I walk into the bathroom to escape her, right? I'm like, you know, I'm not dealing with this shit. Not tonight, right? So I, I fucking go in the bathroom. She follows me from the bedroom through the living room into the bathroom and she's like, blah, 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 yelling, getting up in my face, tapping my head, you know, putting, like, putting her fingers on my head. Pushing my head. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're fucking little boy. You're fucking mama's boy. You're fucking little shit. You know, it's just a whole bunch of shit, man. She was saying, you know, like, you can't fucking take care. You can't even do this. You know, and at this point in time, I lost, uh, I lost one of my jobs. I wasn't working at Citibank anymore. I was working at HSBC at this point, which was another bank. So she was like, yeah, you, you can't fucking keep a job. You were on fucking unemployment for fucking two weeks. You're a piece of shit. You're not a good man, blah, blah, blah. Just a whole bunch of shit, man. I was like, dude, oh, my fucking. So it's boiling up at this point, 
right? It's boiling up at this point. She's yelling. She's screaming. Um, she's calling me names. She's tapping my head. She's pushing me. It got to a point where I blacked out. Not bl not blacked out as in like everything went dark. I blacked out as in like the motion was so slow. I just saw myself turning around. But as I was turning, my fist is turning with me, right? And boom, I connected. Like my fist connected with her face. Yeah, I hit a straight in the eye. In the in the left left eye. It was such a surreal moment. Um, it wasn't ex it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that I expected myself to do. It kind of just happened. I I was at my breaking point at that point. I didn't know what else to say to her. In that moment, I was just so angry. I just remember closing my eyes and then opening my eyes. And as I'm opening my eyes, I'm turning with my fist. She crashes to the floor. She's holding her eyes. She's looking at me and I'm looking at her. And she starts crying and I'm like, oh, fuck. What did I do? My parents didn't raise me like this. You know, I, I was, I'm not, this is not me. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not that person. You know, you see it on, you see it in movies. You see it, you hear it on the news. You know, domestic violence. You know, these, these violently abusive men who like truly, truly hurt these women. And you hear the stories, right? And then you ask yourself, man, how could you stay with that? How could you stay with a guy that wants to hurt you? You know, I've heard stories from women at work of, you know, abusive relationship that they've been in. And, you know, like now and I've, I've asked them, I say, how could you fucking, why would you do that? How could you live with a piece of shit like that? How could you live with a piece of shit, disgusting ass man that would put his hand on a woman? And that was me. I was that guy. I was that man that I loaded. I was him. And it was it was a it was a gut check. It was one of the one of the it was the the most disgusting feeling I can ever have for myself. Or the worst possible situation I could have ever been in in my whole entire life. I've been in some shitty situations. That was that one takes the cake. That was the worst one. Um, she's looking at me and she's crying. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, just you know, in shock. Shock at what what transpired. You know, once again, the reaction takes over, and it's no longer remorse for the action. It's remorse for the reaction. And um, yeah, I, that. Yeah, we were there for a good minute, and, you know, like we were silent, and um, everything was just a rush of emotion. I was scared, you know, because of what I did. I was angry that I did it. You know, I was angry at her for even getting me that angry. I was angry at myself, you know, for, for even allowing myself to get that angry. I was sad, you know, for her because, you know, I hurt her. This is somebody that I love, and 
and the next the next action was hey man let's 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 get in the car and um because she had a car let's get in the car let's let's go to king's county hospital which was uh 20 minutes away and so got in the car with her and uh and i drove and uh took her to the hospital and uh it's man by the time we got to the hospital like it's it's starting to show it's it's starting to show um you know the bruising is there and I'm just feeling like shit, and I'm sitting in, in the hospital waiting area with her, and I'm getting the looks. Everybody's looking at me, looking at her, looking at me, and I'm and now I'm feeling like even more shit, you know, because you know I'm shit. I'm that guy now, you know. And um, we get we get to the we get to see the doc. I want to say like 40 minutes later, it was pretty busy that night, and automatically, like as he looked at her, he looked at me, and he knew. And it was there was a visual visible display of disgust on his face towards me whenever he looked at me, and that's where you know and I couldn't hide it you know and she's she's giving him you know she's giving him some bullshit story about how like you know she was robbed and you know I didn't and I didn't tell I didn't tell her to say the shit you know like she she gave it as yeah she gave this bullshit story about how she was robbed and, and mugged and you know they hit her and. And he's looking at me as she's listening to the story, and he sees it on my face, man. Cause I I can't hide that shit. You know, I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as fuck, man. I'm looking at the floor. I'm looking everywhere, not to make eye contact with him. So he he fucking knows. He knows. He knew. He knew. He knew what it was. You know. And yeah, as as he uh is looking at the eye and everything, and you know, is telling her, hey, it's just it's just gonna bruise up a little bit, and it's gonna you know come down you just put some ice on it and just take care I, I stepped out the hospital I remember I remember um I walked home I walked home that night uh it was it was a long walk so I walked from um yeah I walked from the hospital back to my apartment and I'm just kind of kicking myself and you know just completely and utterly disgusted with myself at what what transpired and what happened and you know like how high I could have even allowed that stuff to even get to that point and you know why why was I that angry initially you know and it was it was a multitude of things it was you know the fact that I was still holding on to the fact that she was talking to another dude you know on I was still holding on to the fact that you know like other arguments unresolved arguments and and things that you know I let slide you know and you know, it was it was just back and forth. You know, with me and her. You know, it was it was it was just never ending, man. It was super fucking toxic. It was it was a bad bad example of what a relationship should be. At that point in time, we we did not we completely have lost all respect for each other. Um, it was no longer love. It was it was hey man, we have an apartment together, and we got to pay these bills. And um, yeah, I love you, but man, I'm not happy, you know. And she wasn't happy either, and I wasn't happy either. Um, yeah, that was that was that was the worst. That was the worst. Um, yeah, it was the worst night of my life. You know, um, and I'm walking back to the apartment, man, and I'm realizing like, hey, man, this this is shit. This just got to change. I can't continue to do this because now I'm. Turning my, I'm now I'm becoming somebody that I don't even recognize anymore. I don't even recognize recognize myself anymore. And I think um, 
that tends to happen in most relationships, right? Because you go into a relationship one way and we, you learn you learn from the person that you're with. And, you know, whether those those learned experiences are good experiences or, or bad experiences, you know, as I talked about the pivotal shifts or the pivotal relationships that we've had in our in our life, these are the things that we we look upon and we're like, man, I don't want to be that guy or I don't want to be that girl. How do I separate myself from this, this situation, right? And there's one or two ways, man. You can kind of be blissfully in denial and say, nah, this is... This is just a one-off of a one-off of a one-off, and we'll be good, and we'll just work through it, and we'll grow stronger from this, and I don't know the statistics on how many of those type of relationships work. My wife, if, you know, you talk to her, she'll tell you they don't work. I don't know, you know, or, you know, you say, hey, man, this, the buck stops here. I no longer recognize myself, or I no longer rep- recognize the person I'm in love with, and it's time to cut ties. You know, you, you hear all the time, well, I love him or I love her. Yeah, but if love if love pins you into a corner to where you have to choose whether to maintain your pride and your dignity as a person versus um, up, upholding your stance in, in an argument, in a debate, or a fight, then is it truly love? Right? Like, is it... Because we don't want to hurt the people that we love, even though we do. But when we do hurt the people that we love, is the ma- is the amount of hurt, right? Have we crossed that threshold, you know, to what that person can, can truly, you know, maintain? You know, me and my wife, we're not perfect, right? We, we still fight, but it, what I've learned with her is that I've learned how to fight through my relationship with my ex. I've learned how to fight. And, you know, like, and I'll get to that, uh, but I'll get to that. But um, I think there was that was the moment where I realized that this can no longer continue. This relationship has reached a point past toxicity. It was now at, at a realm that neither one of us were capable of um, of remedying. Uh, we said a lot of hurtful things to each other. We've both, you know, done a lot of stuff to to the other person uh, physically, um, and she didn't deserve that. Uh, no matter how angry I was in that moment, no matter what she did, um, no matter how much she pushed me over the edge, that reaction was way past the threshold um, for me and for her. And it wasn't warranted. It was It was something that, that to this day, I still kind of look back upon and I'm like, man, why? Why did I? Still can't forgive myself completely for that one, you know? Um, yeah. Going forward, um, we, I think we broke up I want to say, because we talked after that, and she wanted to continue the relationship, even though I was hesitant about it. But we continued, but we broke up um, August of 2008. That incident happened in the winter of 2007. 
um, and how we broke up, which is ironic and like honestly comedy. Uh, she, her ex-boyfriend, the dude that was you know going to school in Albany, uh, he came back to New York, and um, he reached out to her, and uh, they they talked, right, and you know they talked and rekindled things, and she cheated with him, and then she came and gave me an ultimatum. She said to me, "Hey." Like, um, listen, like, she didn't, it wasn't even really ultimatum because, like, it, at, at one point, it seemed like she wanted to have her cake and eat it, too, because she was, she was, you know, fucking around with this dude, and then she came to me, she's like, you know, like, I want to make this work, can you, like, like, no, motherfucker, like, you're coming home at, like, 12 at night, taking showers and shit at 12 at night, I know what the fuck you're doing, you know, and as much as I, as much as in denial I was, because I truly, you know, and this is another thing. This is another, you know, denial, man. That that shit is real. Because when you love someone so much, you're not happy. You know, you start to you start to create things in your head. You start to like create excuses for them. You know, like, you know, maybe this is a phase for her. Maybe she needs to have this moment and let it pass, and she'll come back to me. And that's honestly how I thought. You know, because I love this person so much that I was willing to allow her to separate to us for us to take a break and her do the do her thing, and then eventually hope you know that you know she will come back to her senses and come back to me and we'll fix it, right? And it's stupid, man. Just really, really fucking dumb. I was a fucking idiot. Um, but you know, only because she made it seem like that's something that was possible, but that's not feasible, man. It's it's, it's fucking stupid. But so she she came back and she's like, you know what, like, well, if you feel like you can't do that, like, do you feel like you can live in this apartment with me? Like, we'll split it like you. Uh, I'll have the bedroom and you can sleep in the living room or you can have the living room. I'm like, well, Nathan, that's not going to work because, you know, like the living room, there's no doors to the living room. It's open. There's a door to the bedroom. You can close that shit, you know, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to be bringing him over. And I'm like, you know what, man, I'm done. You know, I. I I remember I had a, uh, a conversation with my aunt that night, and she's like, you know, like, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell my parents, you know, or my or any of my family about about the incident. Where even to this day, I don't think they know. I think only my mom knows about that that incident. Um, but yeah, she uh, she's like, you you can't do this anymore. Like this is. This is past, you know, she's doing what she's doing, and you're not, you know, you're depressed every day, every day I talk to you, you're, you're more depressed than you were the day before, you know, when are you going to wake up? And, you know, I had a good, my Aunt Joanne, I, I love that woman, she's amazing, amazing woman, and she was always, she was a cool aunt, you know, out of all my aunts, she's the one that gave me my first beer when I was six, no, seven, seven years old, she let me sip, she let me have a sip of her beer, so she was, she was super cool. Um, and she was real. She's she kept it honest. She kept it, you know, light. She spit spit some some facts. So after having a conversation with her, I just packed up whatever I could. You know, I called my my mom and my mom's husband at the time. He took his truck, drove the truck down to um, from Staten Island to Brooklyn that night, 
it was like a it was like a getaway in the night, right? Because my my ex wasn't there. She was probably at you know old boys crib, right? So I packed up whatever I could. You know, I packed up my my TV. I took my TV, uh, clothes, um, and that was it. <laughs> TV and clothes. TV clothes and the TV stand. And oh no, I took my Xbox and my PlayStation. You cannot leave your Xbox. You can't leave that. You know, right? so I took my Xbox and my PlayStation. I left the Wii, and I left all my DVDs and all my Wii games. I left the 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 table, the table, the the, the living room table set that I that I purchased, the uh, the couch, the three piece couch set, the bed, the Chester drawer, um, and yeah, everything that I purchased, other than the TV. And my clothes, my Xbox, and my PlayStation, I took. And I left everything else. And I just wanted a fast getaway um, out of there. Because I, I knew if if she would have been there while I would have done it, I probably wouldn't have did it. Um, and I knew that I needed to make it fast. Because I still had doubts of wanting to leave. So, did that. Um, she called me that night, cussed me out because I took the TV, told me that how, you know, she's going to sue me for taking the TV because the TV's half hers. Mind you, I purchased that TV with my money on her Best Buy discount. So, her, her argument was was that, oh, my discount got you $1,000 off that TV, so $1,000 worth of that TV is mine, even though I spent $2,000. On the fucking TV, I'm like, they didn't. You got the fucking, <laughs> got the fucking tables, the fucking chairs, the bed, and everything else, man. Just let me have the fucking TV. You were gonna break this shit a couple months ago. You don't give a fuck. You're just being, you're just being vindictive at this point. So, so yeah, man. That was it. That was um. That was the end of that. Yeah, just went back to my mom's crib. Um, I stayed in the basement. Uh, in the garage, they turned the garage into a room for me because my mom took my old room and made it into her office. And uh, for for two years, man, two years, August 2008 to August 2010, I was in a state of depression. Um, I stayed in that room. I didn't go to work. Um, so I got fired from my other job, the HTBC job. Then I... Cut I quit school. Um, yeah, I quit school. Got a couple W's, not 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 completes, and some D's, which really really tanked my GPA. Um, and I shut out friends. Everybody, all my friends that were trying to reach reach out to me, I shut them out, and family as well, shut them out too. And for two years, man, two years, I was depressed, and um, until. You know, 2010, August 2010, I finally listened to my cousin and my aunt, my cool aunt, who uh, who helped me get out the situation. They came in. I went to Philadelphia and stayed with her for a couple months with my cousins, with her. And um, and we had a discussion. She said, hey, you need to you need a change of environment. Maybe you should listen to your cousin and, and join the military. So I joined the military in August 2010. 
change of environment, needed to get out of that situation, needed to get out of New York, right? Because staying there um, wasn't going to be good for me. Uh, I was having uh, suicide ideations and um, just really, really deep, dark stuff, you know, and um, I needed to, to move forward and press forward. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that change. And I think um, we we look at relationships as the pinnacles of our, the pinnacle moments of our life. You know, you're, you meet somebody and you vibe with them and you love these, you love that person and you envision your life with them. You envision, you like, you kind of make a, a 10 year map of what it's going to be like to be with this person for 10 years and even further than that. Right. And then you build a routine and you have this routine with this person and you're, you're steeped. You're, you're constantly steeped in this routine of being with this person. And when that routine breaks, you know, that wake up, I see her or I see him, I make breakfast, I see her or I see him, I go to work, I call this person th throughout the day and I talk to them or I text them. Or I come home and they're there. Or I call them after, that's your routine, right? Once that routine is broken, then you kind of feel like, well, what what else is there? Like, now I gotta figure out a new routine. I don't want to fucking do that. I want to figure. Out, I had a routine. That was my routine. Now that my routine is gone, I have no routine. So now I'm depressed because I have no routine, and she's no longer part of my life. And you know, you sit there and you're anxious because you're 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 trying to figure out how life is going to be without this person. And because you're anxious of trying to figure out how life is going to be without this person, you constantly dwell on the past, which makes you depressed about, you know, why you're not with this person anymore. And that's that's that that situation right there. So yeah, like I'm I'm thankful to them for helping me realize that I needed to move on and it was time. And um and those moments um, with her affected me even thereafter because I would say it didn't take, it took 2008 to 2010, um, I didn't date anybody or, or actually meet anyone or talk to anyone, um, really. Uh, then I left for the military and then I got stationed in Hawaii in 2011 and I didn't meet my wife until 2000. Twelve, yeah, 2012. Yeah, 2012, February 2012. I didn't meet my wife until then. So, four years, four years that I felt, me personally, I felt I wasn't adequate enough to be with another woman because of what I did, because of the fact that I put my hands on this woman. I felt that I was a woman beater, that that was something ingrained in me, that, that was I'm that type of guy. So I was scared to get in relationships with women because I felt like if I get angry, I have the propensity to do that again, or I have the capability to do that again. I don't, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to go through that. So I, I hated myself for that, and I kind of blamed myself a lot for, for that happening. And I kind of, you know, labeled myself that that type of person you know and yeah it, it really affected me to the point where I, I chose 
not to, not to date, not to get into serious relationships um, until I met my wife, right? And kind of started to forgive myself then and kind of started to like, you know, like get back into the scene of dating and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think uh, in toxic relationships or in relationships that we deem toxic, sometimes we want to see the good in that relationship. So we hold on to the good things, right? You know, people always ask you, hey, are there more good moments than bad moments? Sometimes we put more emphasis on the good moments where the quantity is in the bad moments. And that's what I did. I put more emphasis and I said, nah, well, these good moments weigh more. These five good moments weigh more than these hundred bad moments, right? Because I wanted to hold on to that relationship for as much as I can. I didn't want to let it go. I think that's what tends to happen in toxic relationships. And we have to identify that. We have to identify, once again, are you happy even though you love this person? And don't don't allow love to get in the way of your happiness because if you aren't happy, then there's something wrong. You know, there's something that's making you not happy. And whether that's, you know, you know, verbal fights, physical fights, stepping out of the relationship, um, them not value, valuing you to what you value them, whatever it is that makes you not happy in that relationship, we have to learn to identify these things. And once we identify them, you got to ask yourself, can you, can you live like that? Can you handle that? Is this something that you can, you can deal with? And if you can't deal with it, then get out, get out. It's, it's, um, it would never be a loss. It would always be a learned experience. And I think the the fear of leaving relationship, leaving a relationship, um, is great. It's extremely, extremely the burden of it is extremely great. But I think once you step out, those first few steps are going to be is going to be hard. Your knees are going to buckle. But with friends and family and with help, as you start walking again, you start to realize the path is is easier, right? And you've learned, and, and the path is with more knowledge because you've learned a lot more based on your past. I've never wanted to do the things that I did. I've never wanted to say half the things that I did. Um, I've said a lot of harsh shit. She's, she said some harsh shit, but man, I've, whew, I've topped it. I've, I've one-upped her a lot of times and said some shit to her that even now I'm like, man, ah, shit, cringe. I said that, fuck, that shit sucks. I shouldn't have said that. I remember this one time, um, <laughs> this one time, we were, man, she uh, she told me that my, this was at the end. This was kind of like coming towards the end of our relationship, like when she was talking to the dude, the dude that she cheated on to be with me, that she cheated on me with. That shit should be a movie. That that's irony at its best. But yeah, so it was coming to the, it was at that point, um, and she said to me, she said, "Well, I fucking hate you with your stink ass dick." And I said, "Well, I mean, you suck this stink ass dick like 
two days ago. You know, like, like you know what I'm saying? And then, like, and then she said something else about, you know, my mother. Something about my mom. And, and, whew, this was a doozy. I called her, I called her, man, please forgive me. Yeah, I hear this. I called her a baby killer. Um, because, uh, she was pregnant, um, at one point in, in our relationship. And, um, I think it was around the third week that I told her, like, hey, if you want to keep the baby, I'm with you 100%. If you don't want to keep the baby, I'm with you 100%. However you want to do it, um, I'm with it. I'm with you. Whatever you want to do, I'm down. You know, I'm, I'm there. We're, we're going to get through this. And she decided that she didn't want to keep the baby. And I said, all right. Then when she didn't want to keep the baby, got to get an abortion. So she went to the clinic and, and got an abortion. And, um, yeah. So I got, I, I said that. And, she, yeah, she, she couldn't take that one. That one, that one crushed her but it ended the argument but yeah like I said yeah you know that's that's just not me you know that's I was a completely different person it was it was tit for tat and it was more about winning the, winning the engagement than it was about truly protecting that person's feelings at that point and I think that was for both for both parties Toxic relationships are something that we're all going to go through, whether it's um, a love a love interest or a friendship. You know, you, you can have a toxic relationship with, with a friend, and we're all going to go through this. And I think we have to learn to identify, you know, the, the, the things that make these relationships toxic. And, like, once we start identifying those things, it's, you know, not, not to deny it or cast it aside. You know, and it's easier to... It's, it's harder but easier to walk away from these things because it's gonna it's gonna be beneficial to you in the long run. You know, um, who knows? Who knows what would have happened if I would have stayed in that relationship or tried to fix that, or if I would have stayed in that environment? Who knows what would have happened? You know, or or who knows what would have happened if I would have left sooner? You know, when I should have left, um, when the first incident happened. You know, maybe maybe I would have a more fonder memory of her or she would have a more fonder memory of me um, going forward if we would have part, parted ways when we realized, like, hey, this is, the first incident is, is enough. Um, I think we, uh, we all want to see the best in everyone and we all want to hold on to the good. And I think that's a lot of reason, a lot of the reason why we stay in these relationships because we're still trying to hold on to the good in those people. But I think we have to accept the bad as well. And uh, and not not to the point where it's like, all right, you're just a shitty person and I don't want to be with you, but hey, like you're just you're just not good for me. Right? You're you're just not I'm not good for you and you're not good for me. And it's not I'm not good for you or you're not good for me because you know, the thing that you do, but you're not good for me because of the way you make me react to things or the way you make me feel in certain situations or the way you make me process or see you in your light. And obviously I'm not good for you because, you know, everything I do pisses you off. You got to identify those things. And a lot of us stay in these relationships because, like I said, we don't want to let go. 
and because we feel that love conquers all, right? We think that, all right, I love this person. Love is the ultimate feeling, and there's nothing above it. So even if they hurt me and I still love them, I should stay. But like a wise man said, a wise man who was never there um, for me, you know, you got to, you gotta, you gotta not allow love to get in get in front of your happiness. So take, now don't let love, you know, stop you from being happy. Um, and I hold on to that till this day. Um, and Nadine uh, pushed me uh, to to points where I didn't think I would even reach. Um, certainly, I pushed her as well, and. I don't, you know, I don't fault her for how she acted. I fault myself for how I reacted um, because sometimes you have to be the bigger person in those situations. And I, clearly I wasn't the bigger person. Um, I stooped low to her level and I won. I won the dummy game. You know, you play stupid game, win stupid prizes. I won the dummy game. And it really wasn't. It really wasn't a good win. It was. It was. It felt shitty. But you know, what I gained from that is, like I said earlier, you know, I learned how to argue. You know, the first couple of months uh, living with my wife, I even still feared that I would revert to that. You know, revert to that type of person to where I feel like I have to hit. You know, and I think what's good about my wife is that. She argues, she, she argues her point, and she's also like, she's also the type that she wants to argue and argue till we resolve it, um, but she doesn't argue to the point where she passes a threshold. She doesn't push my buttons to the point where I feel like I'm backed in the corner. You know, she always allows me room to state my, my, my opinions and get my arguments across as well. And she's pretty good at understanding when I'm truly upset and learning to like, hey, all right, I'll back down and I'll let it go and, um, and we'll come back to this later. And she's perfect because, you know, she doesn't, um, we, when we fight, man, like the fight usually lasts 30 minutes and then we're, and then we're good, and then it's done, you know. And then like we're we're back to like joking and laughing and arguing about cereal and stupid shit like that. Um, and I, I think that's most in part because I've learned from my previous relationships that that's not the type of man that I want to be, and that's not the type of relationship that I want to have going forward. And I think um, some of us, you know that are in these relationships, we can either choose to to grow from it or 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 not. You know, like you see these these guys or these girls that constantly repeat that cycle of of negativity and, and toxicity and it's like they don't learn, right? Because they, they can't process it. Or they, they choose not to see the errors in their ways and it's always somebody else's fault. You know, so so this is me, man. This is me seeing the errors in my ways and, and realizing that I, I am flawed, you know, and I allowed, you know, these incidents or these, these situations to reduce me 
as a man and, and chip away at my pride and bring me to a point where, you know, I no longer recognize myself. And the uphill battle is now reaffirming or regaining an uh, a understanding of who I am and what my role is in a relationship or as a man and how, how to not, not revert back to, to who I was, whether she made me that way or not. Man, hopefully, hopefully this uh this helps somebody. Hopefully, um this is really, really deep and personal for me. Um, this is not something I like talking about, but I I felt like based on, you know, some some stuff I was getting for some friends and some family members, I felt like um yeah, I just talk about it and put myself out there, you know, and uh give an understanding of, you know, hey, like I fucked up big time. And I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm flawed, and um, I'm growing. I'm growing from it. And also, you know, hopefully, you know, in the in the next couple of years, I'll be a millionaire and I'll be on TV, all over, and people won't be able to look back at my past or talk to my ex. And you know, the tabloids read Jeffrey Ike Turnered his wife or his ex, his ex fiance. I'll be like, hey, man, I already talked about this in my podcast, you know, five years ago. You go listen to it there. You know, this, is not, this is not new news. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, in closing, um, I'd like to expand upon what my dad said. Um, happiness should always be the number one goal. If somebody, somebody should make you happy before you love them, right? And that's kind of the dating phase, right? You're talking to somebody and they say something funny or something witty and you laugh and you're like, yeah, that's funny, I'm happy because I'm talking to this person, I'm happy and it starts to build, right? And then as you're, you're, you're realizing that you're more happy talking to this person and hanging out with this person, then you start to realize, all right, maybe I love this person. But it all, it all starts with happiness, right? And how that person makes you feel. And once that happiness goes away, um, once you've identified why you're not happy anymore, whether the love is there or not, you can still love that person, but you just love them differently. But if the relationship doesn't bring you happiness, and I'm not just talking about like you have an argument, you know, you guys resolve it and you're pissed off. And then you get over it, and you're like, man, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And that's just immature, right? I mean, like, if if it doesn't reach past a threshold, and it's still, you know, serviceable, like, you know, like, like I said, me and my wife, we still fight too. I mean, that's a part of, that is a part of the growing pains of being in a relationship, being in a marriage. You're going to fight. Eventually, we'll get to the point where we, we, like, even now, like, we don't fight about the shit that we used to fight four years ago. Like, because we adapted to it. You know, like, I'm not going to bring up this fight. We fought about this shit before. Whatever. Right? We start to move away and argue about different things. That's that's the ebb and flow of a relationship. But if it's consistent and if the progress is there to the point where it's no longer making you happy, 
and if the good the good moments in quantity don't outweigh the bad moments um then that's that's something to look into and maybe you should uh definitely talk if not to yourself because you know sometimes you know we we process thoughts within ourselves and talk with amongst ourselves to gather insight and you know it's not crazy i think it's just you know just you processing out loud your thoughts but if you talk to someone else and kind of get an understanding of hey and not not your cheerleader friends you know i mean your your true friends are going to give you like hey man you fucked up this one's on you your your true friends are going to keep it real with you you know cuz i mean like cheerleader friends are going to be there to be like nah she's wrong or he's wrong and you're not wrong you're right all the time you don't you don't need that you need somebody that's going to tell you straight up when you're fucking up and when you're not fucking up your true friends right and you listen to those people or your family you listen to those people and you just get a better understanding of of what you're looking at right cuz sometimes you need a objective view of your relationship sometimes not all the time sometimes an objective view of your relationship to kind of get a better understanding of where you stand and maybe maybe it might be hard for you to step away from it maybe they can be the uh the catalyst to help you make that move but toxic relationships are are something that if unchecked can can end in in death uh for for a member could end in suicide um could end in you know somebody going to jail uh for bodily harm or just really really like um crushed feelings like crushed emotions um i can't stress enough uh that we pay attention to the people that we're with and also pay attention to ourselves and as men and i can just speak to men we have emotions too and we need to also address those emotions as well and not macho you know macho ourselves to it cuz that doesn't help you know god didn't make us that way if you believe in god that was emotionally taxing for me and somewhat therapeutic to get that out um i've held on to that one for a very long time i talked to my wife about it she knows and you know cuz it's like i was scared you know i've talked to her about you know those incidents and um just for transparency and um i told her like hey what do you think about me like putting this out there she's like hey if you feel comfortable then do it and i hope this helps somebody and um you know just understanding like you know just through my lens through my experiences what toxic relationship what a toxic relationship looks like you know whether you are the uh the one that's making it toxic or not you know and just insight on how to to process it identify it and step away thanks for listening um this is the season finale and um as kirk franklin says father this prayers for everyone that feels they're not good enough this prayers for everybody that feel that they're too messed up for everyone that feels they said i'm sorry too many times 
You can never go too far when you can't come back home again. That's why I need.